From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parham, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio this morning. We'll be joined by Heather McMahon here in about 25, 30 minutes, something like that. Coming up on the uh, the show, we do have a little bit of sports news. The um, NCAA Division One Council gave an extra year of eligibility to all spring sports yesterday. We'll talk about that a little bit. And then uh, we'll talk to Heather and we'll do what we've been doing, which is uh, try to entertain you, provide some normalcy here for you here in the uh, – the midst of what we're all dealing with. So the podcast brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Use the Speed Pass Plus app there. You don't have to touch much. You can uh, you can pay. You can make things convenient on you and still get those good gas prices because if you're driving anywhere, you're going to need fuel to uh, to do so. Also next door at the Oxford Crystal, take advantage of their drive-through. And when you go through, put your, uh, put your name in the fishbowl. They're going to offer uh, on April 27th one... Uh, crystal for a year to each uh so someone from each location sorry i kind of bungled that a little bit also on fridays they are uh, feeding some people in need first responders and the like so uh, support them there at the oxford crystal and again coming to you from the clark ford studio we are clark fords in amory mississippi 662-257-1900 that number you call it ask for Corey clark tell Corey what ford product you're looking for he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours it's real simple it's right to the bottom line no hassle no haggle you get your quote and uh, the rest is up to you. You can shop it around. You can do what I've done uh, three times now, and that's hop into a Clark Ford. You'll love the service after the sale. You'll love uh, you'll love the vehicle. You'll just love being a part of the Clark Ford family. Corey wants to be a car guy. He wants to be a truck guy. He'll prove that to you when you make the call, 662-257-1900. Guests join us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Um People at Rafters obviously are, like the rest of us, sort of waiting to get back to some degree of normalcy. We eventually will, and when we do, make sure that you make them a part of your uh, first trip back to Oxford, back to the square. It's home of the Bluegrass Brunch on Sundays, um, Bloody Marys, mimosas, all that stuff at Rafters Music and Food on the square in Oxford. Just thought about this a second ago. I've, I saw Andy Staples uh, quote tweeting uh, Grace Rayner, um, who had this. This is what happens when you have a pandemic and a quarantine. The Athletic, um, their movie project this week is Space Jam, and they had uh, an NBA scout scout the Looney Tunes roster, comparing Lola Bunny to Russell Westbrook and uh, Allen Iverson and, and the like. So that's that's where we are right now. That's that's where things. Uh, Things are from a uh, from a from a media situation. Um, thoughts with tons of Sports Illustrated people who lost their jobs yesterday. They had uh, layoffs with, frankly, a lot of as it typically works because they're the higher paid people. Some some experienced good writers uh, let go with Sports Illustrated yesterday. So not a not surprised. It is what it is. And frankly, Sports Illustrated has been hemorrhaging for a little while now. That's it, it, this is the second or third one in the last. Maven owns them now, right? Like I believe that is correct. Um, Surprise! It took this because long. they've even got because the, they've got some golf verticals and stuff. Maybe it's either golf.com or golf digest they own now too. And there've been some cuts in those areas as well. There's been yeah. It's a this is at least the second and maybe the third Sports Illustrated um, fall here in the last how many ever months. So where Gannett did a furlough. Did they? Yeah. 
38,000 on the uh, over under there. I think yeah. I saw. If you made well, over 38,000, you got furloughed. Yeah. One week a month furloughed. Is that what it is? Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. That's, again, that's where we are at uh, at the moment. If you, uh, if you look at rebelgrove.com if you're not a subscriber now's the time you can uh, you can have the summer for free go to uh go to the links it's on it's on the site it's on twitter um all you have to do is click the link it's uh, rebels 2020 and it's free through um july 31st basically three free to until august the first just enter that code and check it out um so again yesterday the um I, I I had one more thought there. I kind of forgot. We have time. Uh, Carly Ann had never seen Space Jam. I actually turned it on yesterday. Completely irrelevant of the athletic stuff. At one point, they do uh, stop the basketball season because of an unknown uh, situation going on in the uh, the NBA. Once Patrick Ewing and those guys lost their powers to the Monstars, oh. there was a there was a break in the season. It became quite topical yesterday as uh, as I as I was watching. They didn't know when they could get back to playing. Well, that's it. Just took Michael Jordan and, and the gold ball to get everybody back going. Amazing foresight. And now we're going to. It's kind of like the Simpsons. ESPN has uh, announced that they're going to move up the release of the Jordan documentary. It's all that. It's going to be in June or July. It's now going to be, I think, here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. That'll get watched. Yeah, I mean, if, if you like, like, you know, a lot of a lot of sites are doing it right now. If you've got some content, throw it. Just. Throw it out there. Yeah. If, if something's in the can, it's time to open the can. The the, the rainy day fun. This is it. Go ahead and well, and, and fire. There's a lot out of truth there. to that. I mean, so, I'll watch that. That'll be really really good. Yeah. No, it will be good. It'll be uh that, that, that that's entertaining. And all good there. So, again, NCAA Division One Council yesterday. Um, they were going to do something because they weren't going to be the lone division that did not provide some sort of sort of relief for uh for spring athletes. It just was what it was. Um, and here, look. A lot of opinions out there. There's no perfect solution. There's no perfect thing you can do. There's nothing that makes a ton of whatever, um, a ton of sense here is, is they do everything. Uh, real quick, no winter sports are getting uh, added eligibility. So basketball players, none of that, that, that that's been that's been released too. That they're not getting anything extra. But for spring sports, and look, baseball is very complicated. For the other ones, this is just a really good rule. Um, you know, even you think about the golf and the tennis guys who aren't necessarily pro athletes, but can get that year back, can come back to school, can work on a graduate degree. So here are the rules. Um, everybody gets an extra year of eligibility. So Hayden Dunhurst is a freshman again next year from an eligibility standpoint. Tyler Keenan's a junior next year. Tim Elko's a junior next year. Um, Austin Miller's a senior next year. He and Taylor, he and Taylor Broadway get to actually come back. They don't have to be done if they choose. Here's the rubs, though. Um, the schools can offer these up to the same scholarship amount they were getting. So if a guy was on a 40% scholarship, he could be on a 40% scholarship again. This goes for seniors, by the way. So everybody else is whatever, however you do the pool. So an Austin Miller type, so if he was on 40% scholarship, he can get up to 40%. They also can give him zero if they would like. They, can, they can't exceed it, but they can go up to it if they so wish. Seniors will not count against the roster limits next year. They will not count against the scholarship limits next year. So if you've got, say, six seniors, you can have 41 players on your roster. It's fair. It's all you can really do. Sure. I've said this all along. Uh, the NCAA deserves a lot of criticism throughout the course of time. They're going to do everything they can to help the student-athlete with this deal across the board. Now, here's the pragmatic issue. These schools are not obligated to offer these guys roster spots. They're not obligated to offer them scholarship aid. 
I think you're going to have to really lax the transfer rule, which was probably coming anyway because it yeah. looks like baseball was going to get that one-time transfer back. You're about to see open season, in my opinion, on a lot of older guys from a transfer standpoint because, frankly, a lot of schools can't afford the extra players. Right. They can't do it. Um, that, that is the negative here is that it's putting tons of onus on the schools to pay for extra, to figure out how to manage – roster sizes how to manage all these different things and it is there is a chaotic element that is about well, to come because of it and here's the dirty little secret that will as we get closer to it we'll start talking about a lot of these schools can't commit to that stuff right now because they don't know what's going to happen in the fall mm-hmm. they don't know what's going to happen with revenue streams in the fall it's hard to schools like Ole Miss probably okay schools like Alabama Auburn but man you start getting into that Next level of baseball program, UAB, Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. ULM, those kinds of programs. They, they, they're, they're, they're shoestring as it is. And if there is no football season, they can't afford to do anything. So there's just – there's no way to really get a lot of – and I get it. I'm not criticizing the questions from people like, what does this mean? There's no way to know what it means. Yeah, um, you know, again, you know, as of now, SEC schools are figure out. Oh, we'll pay it, and we'll figure it out for the most part. Um, TCU was the main school that was mentioned in D one baseball story this week, and it's because I think Sloshnagel is supposed to have like five or six red shirt seniors on his roster, and trying to figure out what you do with those guys. Do they decide to come back? This gives this gives juniors a little bit of leverage if they choose to to, to come back to play the game, and they would do that because the draft is so screwed up right now. There could there could be as few as five rounds of the yeah. draft. There could be more than that, but it sounds somewhere around there right now. Most five baseball, or ten is what most I think. baseball people think ten at the absolute most and if there's no season it will be five yeah that's kind of what i think too and here's the catch though you avoid maxing out your signing bonus because the way this thing's going you can max out at twenty thousand dollars as a signing bonus the maximum bonus anyone drafted outside the limited rounds can get this summer so there's not like hey i'm gonna get this guy as a free agent and then pay him two hundred thousand dollars that's not doable it's twenty thousand dollars from a signing bonus if you are not drafted in those hypothetical five rounds at this point so a lot of moving parts, a lot of schools that are frankly probably panicking a little right now, trying to figure out what to do, how to do it. Um, the SEC is the most immune, but they're not completely immune to that. They've, they'll, they'll have some decisions to make too, especially probably in some other sports um, is, my, is, is my guess. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, this is one of those deals that's going to have to play out a little bit. We're going to have to see what, uh, what, what happens as time goes on. But they, they made the right decision. That's, that's what I'll say at this point. They definitely did. They, they made the right call. They did the thing that uh, – that they should have done. and They're going to do the student-athlete-friendly thing across the board with this deal. They will. They're at, Look, I'm not never going to be the guy that defends the NCAA, but they're going to handle this right. They're going to do what's in the best interest of the student-athlete across the board with all of this. They're going to try to help the schools. They're going to, they're going to bend the rules. They're going to change the limits. They're going to do all of that stuff to try to figure it out. There does come a point with it where it's going to be I feel sorry for them. I never thought I'd say that. If we get into a deal where in the fall there's no football, there's no which means there's no high school football, how they handle like the next recruiting class, how all that stuff works. You talk about a nightmare. Trying to figure all that out from a number standpoint, from a money standpoint, from a anything resembling a fairness standpoint is going to be really hard. I think other than 
you're probably, all your people most affected are your high school recruits because you're changing roster sizes right now. Baseball specifically, I mean, yeah. I just don't know. But baseball specifically, you have the chance to be changing roster sizes, to have to cut more kids as time goes on. Because, look, I think this is only going to be a one-year rule. I don't think they're going to do this four- or five-year roster limit deal. No, it's going to be one year. So it's going to create, after this next year, it's going to create massive cuts across the board from a player standpoint. You're going to have to process more kids than you ever have before. It, there, there, there's some issues there. You're going to have to – if you're a high school junior, how many of those are actually getting signed? And does some recruits end up getting cut here because of roster sizes? Trying to do predict guys will be around three or four years. Do programs cut? Um, there are going to be some programs, I'm telling you, if there's no football for a year, there are going to be some programs that have to say we're going to have to stop for a while. I think they cut scholarships and stop paying the 11.7. Could be, I think yeah. Happens. I, yeah. I think that's more of what happens. Cause there's, just be a walk-on program. Because there'll be – look, this is a dirty little secret. There's lots of programs out there, not, not – not SEC, ACC, but there are a lot of programs out there that don't fulfill the eleven point right. seven. They right. they have six scholarships, four scholarships, eight scholarships, whatever, what whatever your number is at that point. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. They're trying to to, to do the best they can. Uh, Zach Kirksey had this thought on Twitter yesterday. I think I agree with him. He also mentioned that some highly touted high school kids might just go JUCO for a year now. It actually might end up helping the JUCO market I where see a that. kid goes, "Hey, I'll go JUCO. I'll stay a year and then I'll try to go pro." Right after a year of a JUCO, it's a little more of a Bryce Harper kind of deal. Obviously, not at the level of talent as Bryce, but that that, yeah. that sort of sort of plan. MLB could go from five drafts, five rounds of a draft this year to forty in a year. You know, if, you, if you get back to normal. So a lot of guys will do that. That actually makes some sense for some guys. Go to a JUCO, play for a year, and then go from there. It comes back to what we talk about with football and the transfer portal, that, hey, if a kid's happy, he's probably staying. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I do think you're going to see some high-level, mid-major, low-major players jump to, to the bigger schools in this. I think you're about to see that a little bit. I yeah. think you're going to see, as much as baseball ever has, a bit of a free agent market with some some top arms, maybe at some lower levels. Schools like you mentioned who maybe they go, hey, I don't know if I can fulfill this this number. Right. I got this guy on an 85% scholarship. What do I do? Some of that kind of stuff. Maybe you know your old Mr. your Florida goes, hey. We'll eh, take him. Yeah, be happy yeah. to. Here's your sure. scholarship. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Because I don't have to pay this guy. We'll do this. It all works out. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I'm fascinated with men's basketball. Do some programs go? We can't do 13 scholarships. Are you? Um, I was not surprised they did not offer any kind of leniency to winter sports because no. the season basically finished. They basically played. Yeah. I mean, if you do it, you have to do it across the board. So take Ole Miss for example. How, you, they were done. And even if you offered another year to Brian Tyree, I don't think he's coming back. Mm-hmm. You know. So how, what do you do? You know. I. They. I think they handled this exactly right. I'll give them an A. NCAA was not prepared for a pandemic any more than anyone else was, and I think they handled this exactly right, and I think they'll handle what is to come in the fall exactly right, even though I know that they are kind of braced for some real backlash on some of it. What do you... You think it's five rounds? It's your guess. Today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so today I'm, based on talking to people, pretty skeptical there's a season. At all? At all. So I would say five rounds. What's their cutoff? Because baseball plays 162 games. Could you play an 81-game season? Well, that's what they're hoping to do. Okay. To do that, you've got to start the season by absolutely no later. So just 
But let's play it. We got what, what we got? Fifteen minutes? Uh, ten minutes? Yeah, five to ten. Okay. You have to start no later than July fifteen. Yeah. To pull that off. Sure. You talked to Mickey Calloway on, on Bourbon South. I did. He talked about three to four weeks of ramp up. That's what he thought. He, he, he said four weeks would be perfect, but he realized that might not be doable. So even if you make it three, which is really stressing pitchers, three weeks gets you into you have to have everybody ready to go, ready to report and all that stuff at the end of June, June 25th-ish, right? Mm-hmm. To do that, you've got to get everybody in. A lot of these players have gone back to the Dominican, uh, back to where the, you know to their na- to their country. You're bringing in people from all over the place. You've got to test. You've got to do all that stuff. I just think it's going to be really hard. They think it's going to be really hard. They've they're they're coming up with all these different plans to play games in neutral sites, to play a lot of games in Southern California, to play a lot of games in domed stadiums. Uh, you know, you could play games at Minute Maid in Houston. You could play games at the New Rangers Park, which has a retractable roof. You can. There's things you can do. The players have signed off on playing all the way to Thanksgiving. Okay. Um. But the question that everyone keeps coming back to is, what do you do the first time you have a a, a positive test? I catch myself doing this. I don't know whether you do it. I watch a lot of old sports, and I was watching a Twins-Tigers game the other day. It was a playoff game in the Metrodome. And I noticed the pitcher, his last name was Baker, would go to his mouth all the time. Yeah. Goes to his mouth, throws the ball. Catcher catches the ball, throws the ball back to the pitcher. Pitcher throws the ball again after going to his mouth again. Ball gets hit to the second baseman. Second baseman fields the ball, throws to the first baseman's out. Throw the ball around the horn, shortstop, second base, third base, back to the pitcher who throws it back. The umpire gets it, throws it out. One of those guys tests positive. Well, shit, well, now you got to go through the whole deal. I just don't think it's going to happen. I pray to God I'm wrong. I never wanted to be more wrong in my life. I'm not really optimistic or pessimistic about it. I do feel like we're seeing a couple positive signs in the last 48 hours that we have a chance. Have a chance. Things things are starting to at least kind of... Well, I mean... The places where we have socially distanced, we flatten the curve. Yeah. Getting back to sports is getting away from social distancing. Yeah. And so if if it's out there and and I, I'm I'm sometimes maybe they're right, the people that are like, well, the heat's gonna kill it. Okay, that makes it seasonal, which means when the heat fades in the fall, it comes back with a vengeance. So how does that work? I mean, I I just I don't know what I don't know that we know enough about it. But to answer your question, I mean look. I'm hoping that we have tons of sports in July. I mean, believe me, nobody nobody wants it more than me. But when people ask me rationally, what do you think? I, I don't like it. I don't like the chances of Major League Baseball on June the 15th going, yep, we're good. We're good. Let's roll. Because they don't want – I know this. They don't want to get started and have to shut it down. If they're going to shut it down, they just want to shut it down. Which, frankly, because I think I think what's going to happen here. I mean, I, I, judging just by what I kind of see, I feel like from a normal society standpoint, that's about the time that maybe we can start doing something. I don't know what mid June. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, whatever. Something starting to look normal. My brother works whatever. for the Hartford. They have a they have a, a medical expert that talked to them on a on a conference call, and he said that an optimistic scenario was returning to some form of 
meaning their job, being able to travel and stuff like that again, June 15th was probably a best realistic case. So point being, at that point, baseball has the very difficult decision of, okay, society's sort of returning to normal. People are allowed domestic travel. The you know federal bans on some stuff starting to come off, all those things. Do we chance it? Do, do, do we take the shot? Are we overly cautious or are we not? And that's the question they're going to have. And I, I think that's the question they're going to have, frankly, as long as we don't run into some bomb of numbers here over the next 60 days. Right. I think that's where they are, and it's a – it's a very, very tough decision. I'm glad I'm not in the yeah. room. I mean, today you would not be able to play games in New York. You wouldn't be able to play games in in uh, New Orleans. Like the the the, the uh, Pels would have to play somewhere else. The the Nets, the Knicks would have to play somewhere else. Um, the teams in California would likely have to play somewhere else right now. And that might be completely different in June, July. I, I don't know. That's but you're right. That's it's going assuming that we flatten the curve and all of that stuff that we're talking about. Through it's the a mo- level of caution question. Through the month of April and May, and then it's a, is it worth risking it? I know for a fact from talking to baseball people, they don't want to start back and then have an outbreak where they have to shut it all down again. Because financially, if you're going to take a financial loss, it's obviously cheaper from a loss standpoint to just absorb the loss than it is to pump the money back into Florida and Arizona into your camps and to fly everybody in and all of that stuff and then have to shut it down again. They don't want to do that because at that point you're burning money. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We might continue this, uh, this conversation here in a bit. Uh, also, sorry today. We we're also talking to major Markow of, um, cathead vodka about hand sanitizer yep. and, and the like. So we got a segment with him coming up after, uh, Heather as well. They're doing great stuff there to, uh, just help out any way they can as a, as a lot of our sponsors are doing right now. Um, I talked to some people at blue Delta. They, uh, they had, they've had over a million masks be ordered from different people and different things, trying to produce those as quickly as possible. So uh, everybody's just, uh, again, all hands on deck, trying to do everything they can right now to, uh, to assist, assist in, uh, in this effort. So we'll get to, uh, to Heather in a minute before we do that. I'll tell you about special orthopedic group right now. The big thing is they're open Tupelo and Oxford locations are open. You can skip the ER for urgent ortho related injuries at those two locations are offering virtual health telemedicine. Patients have direct access to all SOG physicians and nurse practitioners. Patients have 24 hour access to appointments at 662-767-4200 or SOGMS.com. No referral is needed and walk-ins are welcome. Again, that's 662-767-4200. Uh, we are also brought to you by Dead Soxie. Uh, millions over the world have been impacted by these unusual events, and Dead Soxie hasn't been immune to the situation. Like the rest of the world, they're faced with some tough choices. The people at Dead Soxie have decided that what they want to do is uh, they don't want to cut costs, and they, they, they don't want to cut jobs. So what they're doing is they're cutting costs. They want to keep their employees intact, paid, and employed, and uh, they're asking for people like us to help them. In the spirit of uh, people helping people, they're running a uh, first-of-its-kind support sale. What it is is they've slashed their prices to $6, $9, and $11 a pair. You you can go and and, uh, absolutely load up your sock wardrobe for less than $100. At deadsoxy.com, there's no promo codes, any of that. Everything is just deeply slashed, $6, $9, $11 a pair. They're at deadsoxy.com. You can also go to nestandwild.com. You can sleep better with a Nest and Wild mattress. You can get a mattress without any human interaction here. They're all one foot thick. They're all 100% American made. 
we're going to throw in a podcast discount that makes it a deal you can't beat. Also, with uh, with uh, Nest and Wild, they believe in their product so much that they're offering a 99-night trial on every mattress. Try it out. Sleep on it for 99 nights. And if you don't like it, you can return it. It's nestandwild.com. Order your mattress. Use the podcast code REBEL20. That's REBEL20. Get 20% off your purchase, and your mattress will arrive at your door in three to five days. We're also brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust based in Madison, Mississippi, but they've got clients in multiple states, advisors in several states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle Trust provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle Trust, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan that is built just for you. It's Pintrust.com, P-I-N-N-Trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You'll get 10% off your first year's fee. Podcast is brought to you by Community Mortgage, Oxford, Memphis, Settle County, and Chattanooga. Underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. They're getting local underwriting that understands your market, a leader in condo financing, the float down option, and uh, more. 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. We will uh, now go get uh, Heather McMahon on the line. So if you're in our live stream, just uh, hang out for a minute and we'll be right back. Heather McMahon joining us now on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Heather, you already got us cracking up in our little pre-show there. I'm hearing uh, your fiancé trying to find anything to bet on right now. You know, on Twitter a couple weeks ago, you can pass this along to him, I was shown where you could just bet on the weather. If you have no sports or anything, you can just bet on the weather, whether it rains, sun, whatever you're going. You get some even odds. You can see how it goes. Okay, I think I... Honestly, that's a genius idea um, at this point because the weather has been touch and go as well. Um, listen, my heart goes out to all these you know, guys out there who don't know how to hold a conversation, how to really look somebody else in the eye and make like human you know, connection unless they're talking about sports. So um, this is just, you know, this has been, not only are we living in crazy, you know, nine times, but for all the sports fans out there, my heart goes out to you because I live within and just an ecstatic sports fan to the point where I'm like, I have to look at my fiance during football season and go, honey, you're not the coach. These kids are 18 <laughs> years old. No one's paying you for your input. Sit down and shut the hell up. <laughs> the Italian stallion. He's, he's big. Is he more into yes. college sports or pro sports? Um, honestly, both. He went to Penn state. So that's, you know, a very touchy subject right there. <laughs> yeah, um, very touchy. <laughs> <laughs> very touchy um he is i didn't even know can i be honest with you right off the gate just so your listeners understand like i didn't even know who joe paterno was i'm an scc gal acc kind of gal i grew up my family went to georgia tech i went to Ole miss um when i first started dating my fiance he had a framed photo of joe paterno on his desk i thought it was his grandpa and i was like oh your granddad i did i had no idea i said oh your grandpa is so cute and he's like no that's joe pa and i was like yeah your grandpa He's like, no, Heather, it's Joe Paterno, the winningest coach of football. I was like, that means nothing to me, sir. I have no idea who you're talking about. So good. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you uh, you had some fun What's last happening? night, as you do every day, pretty much. You had fun with him on Instagram yeah. last night with your filters as he was sleeping. Did, did you tell him that's coming the next morning, or do you just let him figure that out for himself when he opens Instagram? 
No, listen, uh, Jeff is along for the ride okay. before he used to get annoyed being a part of like the shtick, if you will. But now he's like, you know, we'll go and cash the checks for me. So he's on board. Uh, <laughs> now he's like, whatever. Uh, no, but he, you know, listen, it's so funny because I have realized that it's like crazy trying time. Women are truly just the stronger sex. And the fact that because there are no sports, these men have been melting down. Jeff's had anxiety because he doesn't know what to do with his hands because he doesn't know how to like be in a group chat and text his 15 other degenerate friends about, you know, they, they bet on golf. Like who has time to do that? I'll tell you who, Jeff, my fiance. <laughs> so he kind of lets me do my thing and I let him do his thing, you know. And now he has no thing. I know. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I and I've right. handled this. I mean, I've covered sports for a living. I've handled this pretty well, the whole missing of sports things. But I I catch myself. I mean, it's kind of like the, the meme that's out there where the guy says, okay, I finished Netflix. What's next? You know, it's – it's. I, right. I, I'm so used to sports being in the background. You know, turn on a baseball game. I'm not really dialed into a baseball game. But it's on in the background, and it's three hours. And at the end of that, you know, it's time to kind of get ready for bed. Or there's an NBA game that you kind of wait till the third, fourth quarter to get into it or whatnot. And all that stuff's gone – and you're right. I mean, I, I don't know what to do with all of my time. It feels like the days just drag on. And all I can think about is, is it too early to start drinking? That's, I mean, I, I just, and I kind of oh, keep moving up that. that. I keep moving that time up. Like yesterday, it was like 2.30. And I'm like, ah, fine. I'll pour a beer. Right. <laughs> right. Then you're like, let's do mimosas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it Sunday? No, it's Wednesday. Um, I can see the way y'all feel about the sports. I feel about the housewives. Truly. It's always kind of in the background. You know, is somebody getting in a fight in New York or is it a New Jersey cast? That's just kind of how I feel. Um, I'll tell you what though. Now, listen, I, when people found out that I was coming on this podcast, they were literally like, Heather, this is amazing because you really, truly don't know anything about sports. <laughs> and I'm coming here for a little bit of education as well. Okay. See, when I went to Ole Miss, we had Coach O and then we had Coach Nat. And so we partied. You know what I mean? Uh, we we just we partied. That's kind of what I majored in at Ole Miss. But I heard there's like, y'all can kind of break down for me what's going on with this new coach. Because I got to be honest with you, I do like a light Google and I feel like he's a bad boy. Tell me everything. He certainly has a bad boy reputation from back in the day. Uh, you know, he was yeah. at he was at Tennessee. He he left Tennessee sort of in the middle of the night after one season to uh, take the job right. at USC. And he did a really good job at USC, but they the AD got upset at him and they they fired him on a tarmac and his uh, his his career sort of stalled for a little while. And then he uh, he got hired at Alabama as the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban right after he had gone through, I guess, a divorce and whatnot. So he's in Tuscaloosa by himself. And whether deserved or not, who knows? I don't know. I can't, I can't be the one that says that. He sort of got the reputation as a bit of a playboy. He's a... He's a, a good-looking guy, sharp-dressed, you know, comes off the bus with his aviators, and, and, his, and his suit suit game is very good. And uh, so he kind of got that reputation. You know, he left Alabama sort of right before the national championship game, and then he goes to FAU, and he, all he did was win there. And, I, you know, I, he's we haven't had a whole lot of interaction with him here. And then, as you know, football season has basically been postponed till some undetermined time and so we you know this was supposed right. to be this was supposed to be the first spring where we got to kind of be around him and see what they were like from a practice standpoint and how he ran his program and how he recruited and uh, how he interacted with media and players and coaches and we hadn't gotten to see any of that because like we've just talked about there is no football right now 
Right. Well, I heard some people were like, listen, he works for Nick Saban. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to be, he's going to know exactly what's going on. He's a Saban guy. I mean, to me, honestly, just being an outsider looking in, like, I took a soul cycle class next to Charlize Theron, like, <laughs> once in my life. Does not mean I'm going to win an Oscar. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to really keep everybody's expectations super low. Because um, I feel like, you know, at being an Ole Miss fan, we just... It's like being an Atlanta sports fan. You're just, eh, you know what I mean? We always get, get close, and then we just never follow through. So I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but maybe maybe y'all have re-inspired me to get into sports, truly. Um, and we'll, yeah, so what's going on if all these high schoolers can't finish the season? So can they get recruited, or how does that work? These are great questions. One of the questions is what happens if they're, you know, if, if worst case happens and there is – can you imagine that you're, you're – you're, uh, the Italian stallion is going to struggle with this, so don't let him listen to this part. I mean, okay, what? Okay, okay. <laughs> what happens if there is no football season? What happens? Because right. the thing that oh no God. one even talks about: if there's no football season, there's no high school football season. So all those kids right. who, are, who are playing, you know, and they want the scouts to see them and stuff, the co- the college coaches to see them, there's nothing to see. Right. But the draft has still been going on, correct? Because we keep getting updates that, like, you know, somebody's left the Falcons and gone to the Bears or something like that. They're still trading players in the NFL right now. Yeah, they, is that correct? Yeah, we're still going to have the draft, but we're not. The draft's going to be less of a dog and pony show, and it's now going to be sort of like watching the NFL on Skype, I guess, or on Zoom. Right. And so right. we'll <laughs> right. we'll see what that looks like, and they're going to try to drag that out over like seventeen days so that they have some programming. I don't I don't know how they'll do the draft and. All that, but yeah, they, the the NFL is going to have its draft, but they're not going to, you know, they were going to have the big dog and pony show in Las Vegas where they were going to have all the the top players, the college players out there, where you know they would take them out on a on a boat to the fountain in the middle of Caesar's Palace or whatnot, and all that's been canceled, right? So because that seems necessary. That <laughs> yeah. seems real necessary. Put them on a boat in the middle of a fountain in Vegas. I'm yeah. sure they're thrilled about that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so that's. That's done. So now it's just going to be everything via Zoom and Skype and FaceTime and whatever else. I mean, it's kind of kind of like my kids in, in classes now. I walk into one of their rooms and they're all like 30 screens, these Zoom screens, and none of them are listening to the teachers because they're all just like talking to each other because they haven't seen each other in weeks now. Can I just throw this out there? Not that I'm like a huge conspiracy theorist, but it seems to me that Zoom is the only one winning during this COVID-19 <laughs> shutdown. So I'm just going to say, I keep one eye open on the CEO of Zoom. That's all I'm saying. I'm not sleeping on them. There's something that seems a little sketchy about this whole Zoom software company, okay? Because I didn't know what Zoom was, and now all of a sudden I have to use it for everything. So all I'm saying is I'm just, you know, I'm doing my research. Have you done a Zoom happy hour yet? Oh, of course I've done a Zoom happy hour. You know, I, I haven't done anything like Zoom educational, but for sure I've done a Zoom happy hour. My favorite thing is the videos that are going viral right now of people who don't realize that they're on Zoom, like the video Zoom, and then they're either like on the toilet or there was one guy in a law class who was just naked, and everybody, like his law professor and all the other people in in the um, in the class, class like Kevin Kevin you have no pants on we can see you like to me that is that is just that makes me so happy and filled with joy obviously so much of what you've got going on is stream of consciousness throughout the day but I mean are you you, how much of it's planned how much of it's just hey off the cup is what I'm thinking right now how much of it is hey this is a a thing that I saw last night and I want to get this out there I mean what, what what sort of goes into your 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 day of stories 
Honestly, it's stream of consciousness. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as a stand-up, I'm, my job is, like, go out into the world, see things that are funny, observe them, and, like, put my own twist on them. So kind of how everything got started was when Instagram stories became a thing, I had just moved home, literally living back home in Atlanta with my mom. And I just started to put up things that organically made me laugh and giggle. And I was like, surely if I'm laughing, somebody else can find this funny. And it just took off like wildfire. So every day I'm just kind of going out in the world, either – stirring the pot a little bit, getting into trouble myself. Um, and I, it's just really kind of like in the moment. It's not pre-planned, you know. It's just truly like day in the life of Heather. How and is, how people and why people tune in, I'm still fascinated by. How is your stress acne coming along? It's terrible. I don't know what's happened. I look like a 13-year-old boy <laughs> who just came home from summer camp. I mean, I truly don't know what's happening. My face is melting. I've got two eyelashes left. For all your listeners, um, yes, a lot of women do not have real eyelashes. I've got two eyelashes left holding on like a climber on the side of Everest. I mean, it's not great. I mean, give me maybe three more weeks. You'll see I'm not naturally a blonde. It's going to be just a true, true shit show. So that's where we're at. So how were the uh, the, the pseudo-homemade margaritas last night? You pick up Mix from the, Me- the Mexican restaurant. You have to get tequila out of yeah. a mason jar and then Lysol it. How do we yeah. do we did great. I mean, okay. listen, the fact that I'm up uh, at nine o'clock for a podcast is I'm doing great. Feeling like a champ. <laughs> I'll tell you what we live in. I live in New York and we got out three weeks ago just before kind of all the craziness hit. And I got to be honest with you. Nothing makes me happier than being back in the South. We were we didn't have any tequila, but the, our Mexican joint last night gave us the mix. So I just make two phone calls to my godmother three doors down and she sends over a full thing of Casa Amigos. Um, high grade tequila in a mason jar. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is this is southern hospitality. Yeah. This is how I'm gonna literally survive this <laughs> pandemic. So we have a couple of questions in the in our uh, live stream on YouTube. Uh, the first yeah. the first yeah. one is, uh, did you have to throw away the teddy bear last night? The teddy bear. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did have to throw away the teddy bear. <laughs> there was a situation. My ne- my nephew's been here, aka my sister's four-year-old French bulldog, and he's got this teddy bear. He humped it. I don't know about y'all, but this lockdown's made everybody just extra sexual and sensual. So he's been humping the teddy bear all night, and it just got to the point where we were all trying to watch season three of Ozark, and I had to look at him and go, Bronson, you got to cut it out. I'm uncomfortable. So, yeah, we threw away the teddy bear. Great question. All right. The other one is um, – uh, at, but the women that were coming to see your tour were getting so drunk that you had to get on Instagram and ask them to stop. How, what, what what happened there? Yeah. So I don't know if um, everybody just thought we were like hanging out like this was a sorority party. Um, <laughs> but people were showing up to some of the shows so drunk that like one – one woman just like threw up on herself on the front row. We've had other people like start fights. I mean, it's been crazy. I've been doing comedy for years, um, professionally for the last like 10 years. And it was kind of wild. I think a lot of people didn't understand, like, you know, cause you see me on Instagram doesn't mean that I'm not a professional performer. So I, and I think a lot of these women just were like excited to get out of the house and take their top off. I'm like, you can take your top off at my show, but just make sure you, you know, don't have so many wine coolers that you don't know where you are. I want everybody, to enjoy the show so i mean I, I felt like i'm you know sort of doing my job that i put out a safety psa but um everybody settled down after i told them they gotta take it down a notch you know what i'm saying this isn't like a ufc fight in vegas 
what it, what what is down to the status of the, of the tour right now? Do you have any idea when it can when when things can restart? And then how's uh how's how's the wedding situation coming? It's Italy in the fall, and that might seem like a problem right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm I'm so grateful that um, I've got a great team around me. But we had to we postponed the tour. We were, I was supposed to be out on the road actually next week, so um, we are going out on the road in June, and we rescheduled for June, July, and August, and then. You know, well, well, uh, the wedding's supposed to be at the end of September in Tuscany. I am so grateful right now that I did not go ahead and plan that early summer wedding uh, for like Memorial Day. I mean, I, we have just had that family in Italy, and everybody's doing okay. But we're just going to kind of roll with the punches. I mean, does anybody know what even day of the week it is? I don't even feel like a bride. You know, everyone's like, "Oh my God, your wedding's this year." I'm like, "Y'all, 2020 has been a hot dumpster fire." So <laughs> if I got to get married in like a Burger King parking lot, I'll do it. At this point, I'm not holding my breath. I'm just kind of going with the flow. But the tour is still on, and that's the good thing about being in entertainment. I'm sure once we get get through this and get out on the other side, everyone's still going to want to go out and you know laugh and be together again. So we're still doing it. You know, I got hell. I mean, being locked up with my sister and a horny French bulldog and my fiance <laughs> and my mom in Atlanta. I got plenty. I got like six new hours worth of material. Yeah, your um, barefoot Contessa thing. I've 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 watched that now about 150 times. I think give or take five that's right. I, I mean i'm not trying to blow sunshine that that is spot freaking on how long did you have to like refine that because i swear to you it, I, I thought it was i thought it was ina garden at first i mean i it, i thought it, i thought at first it was ina garden making fun of herself you know i came up I, i've been in characters forever because i always wanted to do like snl and it's really funny i found the wig and a wig job like two years ago and I put it on and I just like as soon as I put that wig on and the bangs touch brush the top of my forehead I was like this is this is she I am her we are one we just <laughs> I just got into it I mean Ina Garden is so iconic my mom's a my mom's a chef and and you know she's just so revered and loved in that in that you know, food world, yeah. but everything about her, she's like, just whip something up in the, you know, in the pantry. Like who has just truffle salt and, <laughs> you know, you know, like peppers from Mallorca. Like nobody just has that in their pantry. And that's what I love about her. She's always like, mm, isn't that easy? You're like, no, I know that's not easy. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, it was just the th- for three and a half minutes. It was there was so many. It was kind of like the movie Christmas Vacation, where every time you watch it, you see something new that's just brilliantly funny. And there's just so many right. little things. Like Jeffrey clearly got the hell out of there and went over to Fire Island. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to be quarantined with Ina. And the uh, right. the the quarantini with the pill. That that's the part that oh, there's the big one that that cracks me up every single time. It's fantastic. Well, even, and also like a double layer to the Fire Island joke is her sweet husband, Jeffrey, she's been with him for 40 years. He's like the kindest, they really truly are in love, but I always put a little gay twist on it. Uh, Fire <laughs> Island's like a fabulous, it's Boys Town in New York. Yeah. And so all of my friends are like, her husband, Jeffrey's always hanging out with like the florist and all of her gay <laughs> BFF. So I just love the joke that like he just, you know, chose to stay on Fire Island with the boys <laughs> instead of coming home and eating chicken with her. You know, I just love it. I love it. <laughs> So a little flashbacks for you a little bit. You're quarantined in Atlanta. Obviously, you know, moved home in there for a little while years ago. Just kind of pick right back up in a way. Oh, yeah. Honestly, um, 
you know, when you're an adult, you, the whole thing is you move away from home, you find yourself. I moved away from home, and then I really wanted to come right back. I thrive living in my parents' house. I truly do. Um, I mean, Jeff has been pressure washing basically all the neighbors' homes, too, because I think he just doesn't want to have human interaction with any of us in the house. So it's the way that he deals with his anxiety. So, um I mean, I'm having a great time. It's like, I, pay, I mean, my mom's cooking. I don't have to cook. You know what I mean? I'm getting my laundry done. The joke's on everybody else who wants to move out of their parents. I'm telling you, go home for a week and then report back. As long as it'll let you drink, you're going to live your best life. You know, in all seriousness for a minute, uh, you and I know you're being serious, but I'm curious, do you, in, in a time like this, I mean, we talk about how we forget what day it is. And hell, we're still in effing March. I mean, I realize April starts tomorrow, right. and April's going to be the longest month in the history of humanity. People are anxious. Yeah, yeah, people are anxious. People are worried about their 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 money. People are worried about their careers. They're worried about their kids. Like my kids, my 13 year old son last night, who never gets like emotional about stuff, kind of kind of kind of broke down a little bit. You start to see some right. of that. You know, people are dealing with a lot of shit, right? I mean, you. Right. You sort of do you sort of feel a responsibility to hey I've I've got to keep entertaining people I got to keep trying to keep it light make people laugh make people turn tears of of sadness into some tears of laughter is that is that a pressure that you feel a little bit you know, it's not a pressure. I think, um, you know, when you're in comedy, we always take the darkest moments and find the funny in them. A lot of um, the last year, what I've been talking about on my stand-up tour is kind of watching my dad die of cancer. And it's very relatable for people. And we're all in this together. So that's, that's truly like when you're really writing good jokes is because you're coming from a place of honesty and authenticity and talking about your experience. So what I think it's been really wild is there's some days like I've been feeling the same anxiety and the same, you know, you just don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. I finally, I, and I want to just tell everybody this, turn off the news. It's not getting better right now. Just turn it off. Finally, I made a rule in our house. I was like, guys, every day at five o'clock, I pour my glass of wine and then we watch the news and I would just go crazy. So there's nothing we can control right now. Um, I do feel a sense of just honestly giggling through it because that's the way I know how to deal with my anxiety. You know, it's cathartic for me to very openly joke and talk about the things that make us uncomfortable. But for sure, just keep the news off. It's going to keep us sane. And like, we're living in some wild times. Who would have thought that 20, the entire year of 2020 would have been a true dumpster fire of a year? I mean, we started off with a bang and it's like where's it gonna go and i and i feel for your son because trust me i i've been having those moments it's been like an up and down roller coaster you know and sometimes my fans know if i go quiet on instagram for like two hours call the police (laughs) i always told them that i'm like if you haven't heard from me in like two hours it's probably been abducted so (laughs) they've been checking in so it's a cute little loving relationship we have back and forth take a break in uh this podcast to tell you that it's brought to you by oxford university bank oub locally owned and operated right here in oxford when you deposit money at oub that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the oxford community oub gives you the comfort of home all the benefits the big mega banks provide, all the technology and products you can want, all with a personal touch. When you call OUB, you speak directly with a live person. There's no 10 buttons to push, no five-minute wait. What there is is Kasasa. It's the absolute best cash checking account, and with it, they'll pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances up to $50,000 and refund ATM fees nationwide. OUB also offers online bill pay and mobile check deposit using its online app. And they have a commercial checking account now paying 1% interest 
As long as you keep 100, I'm sorry, $10,000 in the account, it comes with fully interactive online banking. To learn more, go to uh, liveoxford, bankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. Podcast also brought to you by in-house interior and design. Nikki and Ashley have more than 30 years combined experience and they're still open for uh, your ideas, things that you need, whether it's uh, now or in the future when you need to get them done. They offer great discounts on a number of different things, including uh, dorm room appointments, First, uh, our new client gifts and more. 662-681-6241 is the phone number. Call or text it and just uh, see what they can do for you. Again, that's in-house interior and design. Yeah, How are y'all doing? How are you hanging in there? Like you said, doing this podcast is the only thing that makes me realize what day it is. Because I was I was telling the story right. yesterday, it was something on the something around the house on Saturday, and they said, "Yeah, I guess I could do that." It's Saturday, and it was like, "What the hell difference does it make? What, what, what tomorrow, Monday? It's all the same thing at this right. point." So, no, I mean, we it, it's completely different because, like I said, we were. I mean, we filled an hour and thirty minutes of a podcast every day with sports talk for half of it at least, and now it's okay. Well, right. that's gone. What are we doing? So, you know, we're uh, we're, we're showing range. We had uh, we had Harlan Coben, the author, on yesterday, talking to you today. We're going to talk to Cathead vodka about some hand sanitizer i mean we're all over the place right now but listen this is where we get scrappy and creative um you know i was supposed to go out and finish this farewell tour through the summer and now i'm like can i go back out and do the same material some of it sure but i feel like i have to obviously talk about the human experience you can't go out there in front of you know thousands of people in june and not talk about being locked up with your family (laughs) you know what i mean but you just have to kind of expose what you've been going through and it's definitely been a wild ride but i just my biggest thing for everybody is just don't watch the news it's making us crazy truly and um, the crazy thing was too yeah, just don't do it. And I was in actually, in, I was traveling abroad in Southeast Asia in January when all of this popped up. Um, and when I was over in Asia, everyone kept emailing me, Heather, come home. Heather, don't get coronavirus. Don't get coronavirus. I'm like, the irony that I didn't get it in Asia, but you come back in your own backyard, you got to be worried about is is what's kind of crazy for me to wrap my head around right now. Yeah, last night, my wife said, she, you know, she's still working and she came back and she said, let's, let's watch the news. And I had not turned it on all day. I just got through walking right. the dogs for an hour, and I was listening to podcasts, and I, I, you know, I checked Twitter when I, I checked Twitter when I was yeah. walking, yeah, and I checked Twitter, and I saw, you know, the little live box. Trump was having a, a his his daily press thingy that he does, and and I was like, I tempted for almost one second, Heather, I almost hit it to see, you know, what are they saying? And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. And I, I went got back yeah. into my podcast, and I'm walking around, and I get back, and she's like, let's watch the news. And so we, we flipped to the ABC, whatever it's called, Nightly News or World News Tonight or whatever right. the hell, and it's that David Muir who has the greatest head of hair in the world. I have no hair. I'm very jealous. Ever, period. Yeah, yeah. And, and David Muir with this very dramatic voice tonight. And I'm like, from the very get-go, I'm like, God, he's so dramatic. Stop. And she goes, I like him a lot. I'm like, I hate him. And it just, we, right. immediately there's this clash, you know, and and, and I'm like, I just can't. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing this all night. You know, we, we watched it, and at 6 o'clock, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Give me uh, America's Got Talent right. or Voice or some. I guess the voice came on. I'm like, thank God. And normally I would be like, I'm not watching that. I'm like, no, I'll watch the voice. It's just, it's weird. It just, every, everything's, everything is so different. And I've got two teenage girls, one who's a freshman in college and one who's a a junior in high school. And, you know, they come down and they're like, am I going to have to transfer? Am I going to have a senior year? You know, one of them's like, I want to set up my senior pictures. And I'm like, well, who the hell? I'm in my mind. I'm thinking, are you even going to have a senior year? I mean, I I hate that. I think that stuff, but it just marinates in you. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I kind of, as, as an entertainer, we kind of ride that fine line of 
you know, during this time, how much has to be serious and how much has to be silly and goofy. And I'm like, for me, I just feel like I have to be the levity, right? I just Mm -hmm. have to be goofy and put on wigs and and do impressions and do all those things because right now I'm staying in my lane. The one thing I know I'm good at is giggling and making people laugh. So I just got to stay focused on that. You know what I mean? I can't, I'm not a health worker. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a scientist. So I'm just trying to really focus on what I know, what what to do and, and be helpful. And also, I feel like you're just going to have to get out a Polaroid camera and start taking some photos for your, for your kids in the garage. Like that's, we're just all going to have to get creative. Senior portraits are going to be, you know, by the fireplace. Like there's just <laughs> nothing else to do. You know, we, we got to get creative. Um, but you know, what is actually funny. The only news I will watch, I don't know if y'all have been checking this out, but governor Cuomo and his brother, Andrew Cuomo, uh, who's on the news, uh, sorry, Chris Cuomo, who's on the news and, yeah. and governor Andrew Cuomo, they, they cannot stand each other. Have y'all seen these yes. things going it's, back and forth? It's at first it's I thought amazing. it was an act and now I, I don't think they like each other. No, no, no. They can't stand each other. I mean, my sister and I watched it together and we looked at each other and said, oh, this is like when we're in a tiff, this is how we would fight on national television. You know what I mean? It's a perfect amount of cattiness. It, that is what's keeping me alive. I love Chris Cuomo. It's like I'm getting a good bit of news, but then I'm also watching him completely have a family meltdown. And that's just what we need to stay alive right now. Truly, that's authentic to me. You know, you will have a ton of material in the fall between what I hope is the aftermath of this crazy crap and then a presidential right. election between Trump and Biden, where I'm sometimes I'm not convinced that either of them are completely uh, there Same to do the job. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Listen, I mean, politics aside, you know, I'm a moderate, but I was like, I would vote for Andrew Cuomo in a heartbeat. He's been holding it down, putting his foot down. He's like the perfect mix of, you know, letting people know what's happening. Um, This is just wild times. Why yield times we are living in? But, you know, I guess it's time to reflect. Like, I'm trying to find the silver lining in it. You know what I mean? You found one yet? Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Not just yet. I'm working on it. I've written a couple of things down, but nothing's really stuck out yet. Just kind of curious. I mean, we're, we're you know dancing around you know mental health and different things. You mentioned coming back to Atlanta, whatever. But when you're in LA and it you know, took a little while, and you end up coming back, and that's kind of when you you made it work. Were there moments where it went, hey, what the hell am I doing? Should I be doing something else? I mean, just from a kind of sticking to it and trying to find lane and figure out what you're going to do with your life. What was what was kind of the later stages of that LA experience like? Well, listen, LA is funny. It's, it's one of those towns. I always talk about the LA invite. The LA invite is, um, basically where, you know, somebody comes up to you and they say, Hey, I love your work or let's get together. Let's grab a lunch. And then you say, Oh yeah, great. How does next Thursday work? And then they're shocked that you actually followed through with it. <laughs> they're like, Oh no, I didn't actually want to go to lunch. So it's funny living at, both in New York and LA, LA is all talk. New Yorkers get things done, but it wasn't truly until I came back to Atlanta and I started doing Instagram stories and living authentically, you know, at my mom's house. I'm just kind of talking about my new normal, which was moving home after my dad passed. That's when my career really took off. Mm -hmm. And for me, there was no other, there was no other road to take. I mean, ask any of my friends from Ole Miss. They always, they're like, oh no, Heather said she was going to do comedy. She was going to be an actor. Like that's just what she was going to do. And so for me, I said, maybe I could translate this into sales. You know, like, I guess every comedian is sort of selling something. So I looked at maybe pharmaceutical sales for a hot second, and then the thought of, like, having to push Viagra at a doctor's office just, you know, <laughs> sucked my soul out of my body. Um, 
So I just, you know, the, the irony of it is, though, I applied to be a Delta flight attendant because I thought, hey, at least maybe I can travel the world. I got rejected from the program. And then at my last show um, at Christmas in Portland, or sorry, Seattle, I did this big giveaway with Delta. So now they're one of the sponsors of the tour. So it's a very full circle moment for me to say, hey, they didn't want me as a flight attendant, but now they'll, you know, help sponsor the tour. It's crazy. What, what, is what a really blessing crazy. that, what a blessing that was, though, right? I mean, you you you, yeah. you applied for something that had they had they had they taken you you would have been in their program and you yeah so that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, listen, I always say this. If I was, you know, people ask me sometimes, like, Heather, will you come and, like, do motivational speaking? I'm like, listen, I never influence anybody for good, only evil. So I don't know if I'm, like, the best motivator. But I always say stay in your lane. Like, find one good thing, you know, whatever you're good at, and just focus and be hyper-focused on it. And so I just kind of zoned in. And trust me, my parents were like, you're almost 30. Are you going to get a job? And I was like, eventually. And now uh, we're touring the world. So it's it's crazy. What is the stick with it? What is the prep of a ninety-minute stand-up routine? Because I mean, I got to think it's pretty much similar every night. But I mean, we we talk in public, so I'm nothing like that. But I mean, it's going to change a little bit. But I mean, right. you have like crazy outlines. What what does this look like? No, I mean, you know, this is what I always say. People are like, "How do you do stand-up? How do how does a tax accountant?" look at someone's finances and not have them sent directly to jail. Like, I don't know how anybody does anything, but again, like I said, I stay in my lane. Um, the prep though for a 90 minute show is it's funny. A lot of the fans are like, Heather, come drink with us before the show. I'm like, you guys, this is my job. Like, I don't, I don't drink like, on, on, you know, I'll have a glass of wine on stage, but I'm like, this is my professional job. Um, so I don't know. You know, I, I sometimes reference my notes, but whenever I go to a new city, I try and do like, at the top of the show, like 10 minutes of roasting that city. And then, you know, we tell stories and tell jokes. It's in, it's in my bones right now. Like I, I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night sweating. Cause I'm like, I think I'm late for a show. I've just done this so many times now. I'm like, all right, you know, it's, it's like clockwork. What's your favorite city? My favorite city. Hmm. Cause you've seen the world now. What's, what's the place that, what's the place? Maybe here's a better question. What's the city that most surprised you? Um, I would say the Pacific Northwest, like uh, Portland and Seattle, it, it, it was, I had such great shows there. And, it, you know, I knew the South was like mostly my demographic, but performing in Seattle and Portland, and they were like thanking me for coming there. I'm like, this is Seattle and Portland. You guys are acting like this is Knoxville, Tennessee, like a small town. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled y'all came out. But I will say my favorite state to perform in is Tennessee. All of the shows that I did, I don't know what it is about the people from Tennessee, but they are so just loving and warm. And I'm bummed. I was supposed to headline the National Comedy Festival this year with Burt Kreischer and Bill Burr and Whitney Cummings and and that got pushed to September so um but I was really looking forward to that because to perform in some place like Nashville at the Ryman Theater like an iconic theater with all these other comics who I've just adored forever is just wow I mean you know it takes my breath away just talking about it there's a, a question in the live stream here is there a celebrity you've met that had you a little awestruck I mean we, we, we still, we're around athletes so much that that never does anything for us but in, in your profession right. there's somebody that kind of kind of took you back a little bit when you met them 
Yeah, and I don't know if your listeners will necessarily know who this is, but um, Joan Rivers, who the late great Joan yeah. Rivers, who was a very famous female comic and who paved the way for you know what I do now. She was just so iconic. I got to meet her um, at some shows in New York, and then when I moved to LA, I ran into her at dinner one night, and I went up to her table and I said, "Miss Rivers, I just want you to understand, like you're the reason why I do comedy." And she grabbed my hand and looked me in my eyes and said, "Honey, you got chutzpah and the balls to even come up to my table." Um, you're going to make it. You're, I can just tell you're going to make it. And it was in that moment that I was like, I have to continue to do this. So truly, like, I owe everything in my career to her. Um, she was just an idol and an icon to me. But trust me, I worked at a gym in West Hollywood. So I have met every celebrity you could ever imagine. Like, you name them, I've met them, and I'm not impressed. <laughs> like, they're, you know, everybody sweats just like we do. Are you ready at all to get back to New York even a little bit? No, not at all. No. Listen, I, I, not even in the sense of like what's going on there, but New York for me, I love New York. New Yorkers get things done, but I, I, moving back to the South, like saying that people live, you know, you can get in your car and go to Trader Joe's. You don't have to get on the subway and schlep 55 bags to and from the grocery store. New York's fun when you're in your early 20s and you have the energy to do it. But now I'm like in my 30s and I take two stops on the subway and I have to come home, take a Xanax and put on a weighted blanket. Like I'm just exhausted. <laughs> it's just, mentally, it's too much all the time. Will this change when this is over? Will this change the way you interact with people? I mean, people, I would think before this wanted to come up to you and they want to shake your hand and they want to touch you and they want to hug you and tell you what you mean to them and all of that stuff. Will you be a little more paranoid about all of that kind of thing now? Uh, Listen, I'm a Pisces. It's in my DNA to like be sensitive and want to hug and all that. Listen, I I don't know how this is going to change me because honestly, at one of my shows, a woman who was drunk, who was a nurse, showed up with a B12 shot and she just pulled it out of her purse and I let her give it to me. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Looking back, that was a terrible idea. It could have been black tar heroin for all we know. Um, My tour producer, Chris, was like, he's like, Heather, what just happened? I was like, that woman was a nurse and the needle looked fine, but she pulled it out of a medical. But he was like, are you an idiot? And she had a white claw in one hand and a B12 shot in the other hand. And I was like so tired. I just let her do it. I was like, it's fine. And then, of course, the rest of the night I was paranoid thinking, I, you know, she just poisoned me. Um, but so I've really been living on the edge with human interaction and connection. So I don't know how this is going to change me, you know. Yeah, I really don't. I, I told How do y'all feel? I don't know. You know, it's funny. I was watching. I told. I said this at the beginning of the show, so I'll I'll use a different story. I was watching um, an old basketball game, actually a baseball game, and the pitcher between pitches kept going to his mouth, right, to get a better grip on the ball. And I started thinking about, okay, so every time you throw that ball, and I started thinking about quarterbacks in football and how many quarterbacks in football before every snap, you know, lick their fingers. And so the right. st- stuff's all over the ball, and the ball gets handed to the running back, who after the play hands it to the the referee, who throws it to the ball boy, who throws it to another ball boy. And I'm just thinking, can will there have to be now a disinfectant person that sprays each ball down between each play? I mean, how do we how do we do all that? I've I've caught myself thinking about it so much more than I would have ever 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 thought about it before. Oh no, it's definitely shook me to my core just about how. I- 
I mean, honestly, filthy as humans we are. I mean, I think about all the times that, like, I'm running around or I'm, like, somewhere. I'm not washing my hands or doing this or that. I will say, as somebody who is a pro airline traveler, because I fly probably 300 out of, <laughs> 300 days out of the year, I have always been that girl who brings, like, her Lysol wipes and wipes things down. Um, so, for me, I'm, I'm really excited to see in aviation, once we get back to flying, how this is going to change the game. When we flew from New York to Atlanta, three weeks ago it was just kind of like at the barely beginning stages of us you know the rumors that we were going to be in quarantine and lockdown and I was wiping everything down and the stewardess the flight attendant we never mean she's like girl we you clearly are a professional flyer because we just can't risk it you know what I mean when you're on the road for your job you just can't risk anything yeah um so this will be really I mean I've seen people do filthy things on airplanes like go into the laboratory with no shoes on put their feet up on the bulkhead clip their toenails in the seat next to you i swear to oh, god. god if it's been done and it's disgusting i've witnessed it so i'm hoping that as a whole as a community especially in the airports we're all going to like you know maybe um respect each other's space better maybe that's a silver lining i don't know i'm really grasping at straws here no that's that will be interesting to see if people behave better in public settings now that right you know i don't know i, I it's just it's still so fresh and new that I, I don't know it's hard for me to like you said it's kind of hard for me to sort of wrap my head around what it's going to look like when we get to the other side of this i mean there's a part of me that like we had this debate uh me and some guys had a debate about you know when they give you the all clear to say go to games again are you going to be comfortable are you going to want to go yeah are you going to want to go are you going to want to watch on tele yeah we all want to watch i get that but are you going to be comfortable going to bryant denny or jordan hare or vault hemingway or whatever knowing that there's all these people around you now that you don't know wh- who's had what or who's who's clean or who's not clean and you know are you going to want to sit in an enclosed space with a bunch of people and when someone coughs or sneezes are you going to freak out i mean all that stuff's going to happen and, right. and everybody's going to have different reactions to it oh 100% also i feel bad for wrestlers you know i was never a UFC fighting kind of gal but like how is the U- what's ufc going to do are they done forever that kind of physical contact because they're yeah. bleeding and stuff. Okay, I, I mean, it's every, yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I'm sure like hepatitis was a bigger concern for them, you know, but I'm just like, damn, this is, this is crazy. Window or aisle seat. And what's the, what's the airline cocktail of choice when you're needing a drink on the plane? Okay. Always aisle. Uh, okay. I'm a tall gal, 5'10". I like to be able to stretch my legs out. Um, okay. I really, I divvy it up. I, I'm old school. I like a ginger ale. And then I get an ice cold Chardonnay. So I get two drinks. I just like to maximize my sugar intake <laughs> with um, some crisp white wine and a ginger ale. I basically make like my own really shitty uh, sweet spritzer on the flight is what I do. What's your drink of choice on a plane? Oh, God. Uh, honestly, I'm going to get whatever. As long as it's just nothing, as long as it's something at all drinkable, I just want bourbon on the rocks. I just want a cup of ice, and I want to yeah, pour okay. bourbon in it, and I want to move on with my day. Yeah. Is it because you're a nervous flyer? or you're Oh, just, no. You know, I, 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 I can't ass. sleep on a plane, but I have no nerves on a plane. I just like bourbon, so whatever. Just an option, and it's it's five bucks. I'll pay cash. It's all good. It's all fine. I love that. It's just I just like bourbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I whatever. Like it's, it, it, it's an option, so why not? Oh, See, gosh. I don't like bourbon because I went to Ole Miss and I drank too much of it, and I can't even smell the stuff anymore. Can't even look at brown liquor. My wife's the exact same way. She can't. She can't even. I never have to worry about her drinking my bourbon. 
Yeah. No never. chance. Yeah, uh, she's not going to touch it. No chance. Yeah. I remember I used to mix, like, Diet Dr. Pepper and Jack Daniels or something. <laughs> and I just, even the, the thought of it, like a whiff of it, makes me sort of dry heave. I just can't. I can't. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I will say that that's just so you know, as you move forward, that is not bourbon. So uh, you you could you right. you could branch out and try different things. I've caught myself going from in just in the last three weeks, going from bourbon to just pouring tequila in a glass and squeezing a lime. I mean, I, I've I've gone from making a, a margarita to just just give me the tequila. Just it's kind of like yeah, I'm just, free basing at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I, I hear you on that. Yeah, you know, and I have one of those wine glasses too that just, it's a giant goblet. So, you know, you don't feel bad because you never have to refill it. <laughs> um, but that's just called alcoholism. And I'm sure um, somebody, my therapist might say something about it. But I'm like, listen, Sheila, I don't need your judgment right now because I'm just trying to get by. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah, there's some, market, there's some markets that are going to do well when this is over. Divorce attorneys, uh, alcohol yeah. rehabilitation centers. I mean, there, there's some people that are going yeah. to benefit from this. So there's your silver lining. I mean, those all those people are going to have just people lined up. Yeah, really, truly. And I mean, I've been trying to like really give that I'm using the call map, just something to take my mind off things. And then at, at once, like you said earlier, it's my, my drinking hour just keeps getting earlier and earlier. Um, one of my best friends from Ole Miss, shout out to Elizabeth Howard. She's a huge fan of this podcast. She called me yesterday and she's like, well, I found some bread and butter pickles and I made a pickle martini. And she's like, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to use dill pickles, but I need sweet pickles. I'm like, you just took random pickle brine and put it, mixed it with some like Tito's vodka. She's like, you bet your ass I did. Yep. <laughs> Like, we're just trying to be creative and, and use whatever we got at this point. So how are you killing the day? Last thing. What's, what, what, what are you doing today? Well, listen, apparently we've started a military boot camp at my house. Um, we, I, 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 I wouldn't even get lunch until I exercise. My mom took one look at us the other day and said, you're all sweating and, and putting on weight. So apparently I, we have to exercise now, which I'm not really a fan of exercise. I've never gotten like a runner's high. I usually get like a cheesecake high. <laughs> so um, I guess I'll lace up my sneakers, do a couple miles, and then basically just sit in my room and cry the rest of the day and drink Chardonnay. So that, that's where I'm at. How about you guys? Uh, that's yeah. I've got I've, I've got to I've got to watch my kid for a while today. My my, my wife has to go to work oh, for right. a little bit, so I, I'll get to finish the podcast. Okay. I get to go chase a four year old all over either the house or the neighborhood, depending on the rain right now. Because I think we're going to get storms today. So yeah, it's a mm-hmm. it, it's not a good day for that. Because so probably a lot of Disney movies and things along those lines. I'll get sick of Elsa at some point today. It's a it, it's going to be right, an inside right. day. I think. Yeah, my my plans are really complicated today, Heather. I'm talking to my accountant at ten thirty, and then I'm going to get on the Peloton. <laughs> And the Peloton eats up bandwidth, which will uh, it'll come down to who's who's yelling at each other first about the internet. Can someone please stop streaming for forty five minutes or whatnot? And uh, and then at that point, I'll probably I can sort of feel it coming today. I probably my my post recovery drink off the uh, the Peloton will be beer, and it'll just go from there. I, I, I anticipate this is a day when. <laughs> My wife comes back from work at about five o'clock, and she's going to look at me and say, "What have you done?" I'm going to say, "Not nah, very little," and this is my fourth beer, and leave me alone. Right. <laughs> 
Listen, I've always said this. Be authentic, live your truth. So even if that means drinking an ice cold beer while you're doing a Peloton, like live your life. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're all just, we're in this together. It's a community. We're all just trying to get by. So I say live your dreams, live your best life. And hey, the Olympics got pushed to 2021. So if you start training now, we can maybe qualify. <laughs> That's, That's true. That's all I'm saying. That's true. It's a goal. You're awesome. Thanks so yeah. much for your time. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. And shout out to all the Ole Miss fans. Hotty toddy. Y'all keep crushing it. Thanks, Heather. Have a good day. All right. Bye, guys. What's Heather McMahon here on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline? We'll just shut down the show now. We're not. We're not topping that. So, (laughs) none. You're good for the day now. She's. She's. She is fantastic. She is so talented. Yeah. She's. That was not disappointing. No, 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 no. I mean, I, uh, I, I was, uh, I was, I was hopeful we could get that one done. I felt good about it. I, I, I knew a couple of people went, yeah, I think we can probably make that happen. So I appreciate her for uh, getting back with us, scheduling that again. It's, uh, it's one of the we mentioned silver linings and, and positives. I mean, everybody's kind of just sitting at home right now, so there is more of a chance on getting some people that typically would be busier than we could probably uh, make happen. So thanks for uh, that time. We'll, uh, yeah, I've got some, I've got some stuff out. I think, <clears throat> I think we'll have some. I do think the summer will be full of some pretty decent guests. Yeah. Actually, I think people are starting to get bored. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll go talk a little cat head hand sanitizer in a second. But we did not tell you about Visit Oxford. Visit OxfordMS.com. Go to the top of the page. It's how to support Oxford during COVID-19. You get a list of all the restaurants, the services offered for delivery and, uh, and carry out curbside delivery and the like. You can also see how to help hospitality employees and more there. Again, Visit OxfordMS.com. The uh, podcast is also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Eventually, this will be over, and uh, you're going to want to get out. You're going to want to go someplace new. You're going to want to get away from your house, get away from maybe your family. Who knows? You're going to want to get away, and uh, you can do that by getting in touch with John. He's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits, simply not available to other travelers. Uh, You give him a call. You give him some parameters, you give him a budget, and then you sit back and do nothing. And he'll come up with a bunch of options that you're not going to find on your own. And you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or send him an email, jedwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. You're in the market for a Nissan vehicle. Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Podcast is also brought to you by Tyson Drugs and G&M Pharmacy. G&M right there on South Lamar in Oxford. But the important thing right now is they deliver locally in the Oxford area to your home or workplace. To find out more, 662-236-2222. Also, uh, they offer MedSync to fill your prescriptions the same day every month to make it easy on you with the fewest trips possible. So uh, right now in these times, again, give them a shout. 662-236-2222. If you're in our live stream, again, the uh, the Cathead interview is pre-recorded, so we will uh, cut you guys there. But go to the uh, go to our podcast page and listen to the, the rest of it here. And if you're listening uh, on Apple or Spotify or any other place to do that, give us one second. We'll be right back talking with Cathead Distilleries. Major Marco of Cathead Distillery, kind enough to uh, join us today. You guys are known for your uh, your vodka, your gin, your bourbon. You uh, are not known for your hand sanitizer, but uh, that is changing. How did that uh, How did that sort of come about? Uh, well, thank you for having having me on, Neil. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, 
Yeah, it uh, the, the coronavirus is is what started it all. Um, about a couple of weeks ago, as everything started kind of becoming a little bit more real here in the U.S. and sports started getting canceled and everything else, the um, the FDA and the TTB relaxed regulations on distillers manufacturing uh, hand sanitizer. So um, there were some people that were doing that prior to that, but we were waiting on the regulations to get tweaked, and they did that. And so uh, the last 10 days, we've kind of completely pivoted our business model to make hand sanitizer, which has been a an interesting thing amid this crisis. Um, everybody working from home, our production team at the distillery, um, doing everything they can to stay safe. So it's uh, it's been a, a really challenging time, but um, we are as a company, we are extremely grateful that we've got the, the resources and the ability to make this hand sanitizer, which, uh, as best we can tell, is, is very much needed and, and, and for the public, um, especially as, as it pertains to people on the front line that are out fighting this thing day in and day out. You know, before this thing, I probably would use hand sanitizer once every couple of weeks. <laughs> I'd use some at the gym sometimes, and I've caught myself now. If I get out of my truck before I get back in it, I'm doing hand sanitizer. <laughs> it's crazy. It's everybody's like that. And, um, I mean, just the demand for it in general and, and some of the organizations that, are, uh, that we're in contact with are – it's wild that, I mean, these are monster organizations that uh, are looking to a small vodka distillery to be able to provide them with what is, um, what some are saying is a, a real big necessity and continuing to, you know, I hate to be all political or whatever, but flatten the curve, continue to mitigate the, the, the outbreak. And so um, we've, uh, Intergy has really stepped up to the plate for us to uh, connecting us with some of their chemical supply companies and allowing us to get some of the raw ingredients that we need that we don't have in the distillery. Um, we've started working with MEMA a little bit. Um, yeah, it's wild the people that can't get it, the organizations. You you know, you and me on the street going to the grocery store to try to find it. Yeah, it's not going to be there, but to think about um, healthcare workers and, um, you know, critical infrastructure businesses that are required to keep the wheels churning just a, a little bit, they can't even access it. So it's it's really kind of a strange times. I know that's what everybody said, but that's that's what we're living in. It's it's really really fascinating and um, yeah, but we're we're grateful to be able to provide the service. So kind of what's the what's the mission behind this? I mean who 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 are you trying to help? Who realistically can you help? Um, well, our, our mission behind this is kind of twofold. Um, so here locally in Jackson, we partnered up with um, Corner Market and a uh, local grocery store chain based out of Hattiesburg. But um, we're going to have some free retail stations uh, at the three corner markets in Jackson. And then um, the city of Jackson is wanting us to put uh, one at another location that uh, I don't know that it's been finalized yet. So uh, we're wanting folks to be able to come in and fill up a 12-ounce container, no more than that, kind of leave enough for the next guy. Don't come in and fill up a five-gallon bucket or anything like that. So that's one part is, is to provide provide um, something to the community that they might not have. And then the second part of this is for us to really, really hone in and focus on uh, 
the people who are who have to be at work right now and who are very fearful i mean um you know because they can't get any hand sanitizer as i mentioned a second ago energy um nema working with healthcare professionals um nursing homes for instance are a, a really interesting business because a lot of them are private businesses and they're kind of on the fringes of the healthcare system because they don't really take, I mean, they take public money, but they're not tax exempt. And so they don't fall into the hospitals and clinics world. Um, and so they kind of get left out in the cold, which is very concerning as we know, because, you know, folks that have pre underlying conditions are more susceptible really regardless of age. Um, but older folks typically have more underlying conditions. So the fact that nursing homes and that's who I've, that's who we've been dealing a lot with over the last week. And the fact that they can't get it, um, you know, it's really kind of heart wrenching. And so, um, those types of places, uh, you know, we talked to the cancer ward at a hospital. Um, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking the people who are having a hard time procuring this stuff. And so, um, really the first responders is who we're looking for. Um, we're doing some stuff with the department of public safety and with them dot. Um, that's what we're trying to get. Not necessarily the, um, the community stations are, for, are kind of for the everyday people, but, um, for the people that have to be at work and, and can't social distance and especially in environments where, you know, you can't be six feet apart. You're working hand in hand with somebody on a project. We really want to help those guys out. So I know you guys have sort of perfected, you know, vodka, honeysuckle vodka. You had your gin. <laughs> you were uh, getting getting into the bourbon market here over the last couple three years, uh, but you hadn't fooled with this. What's what's the transition been like? What's what's the process sort of? been like i mean and, and i'm sure that this has been a, a little chaotic as well because unlike you know with bourbon where it's hey we're gonna get this stuff we're gonna get it in a barrel we're gonna age it for a few years and you know got to be a little more laid back this is not laid back this is this is hustle time what's that been like <laughs> it's been a, it's been as, as exactly as you said it's been very chaotic um the fortunate thing is uh, the main ingredient in hand sanitizer is alcohol and we have that in abundance so um it's got to be at least 80 percent alcohol which is 160 proof and then um for our formula you need hydrogen peroxide and um glycerin and so sourcing some of those raw ingredients has been a little bit of a challenge besides the alcohol but the biggest thing is the is shifting the business model um away from you know Typically, with, with alcohol, you sell to distributors. In Mississippi, we sell to the state. And you kind of have middlemen in there, whereas with this, we're dealing with kind of direct-to-consumer stuff. So that's building the infrastructure for kind of a new place of business, all while trying to figure out the product that you're going to sell and uh, figuring out who needs it the most. All of those things are are. Um, happening all in a matter of days where, you know, typically in our organization, if we were going to tackle something of this magnitude, we'd plan six months to a year out for it, and we've done it in six to ten days. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been chaotic, but it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, my wife's about to kill me. We're working. She's working from home as well, and we've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old, and we are across our dining room table. Um, from one another and so in, in her her business she works um, with banks and so in a time like this banks have got a lot of people are asking a lot of questions um, and then I'm obviously dealing with 
this hand sanitizer stuff. So it's just been bonkers. Um, but depending on the business, it's, you know, the people that, uh, that I work for and the people that we all work with are consummate pros. And so, um, just rolling with the punches and, and trying to figure everything out. We've, we've kind of got our grasp, uh, around it as we are right now. Um, on Sunday and we will, uh, we'll have more information as the beginning of the week kind of unfolds, but we've, we've laid out the critical, the critical infrastructure to be able to get this stuff to the people that need it the most. How much does it change day by day, hour by hour, even minute by minute to some degree? Uh, it's, it is ever evolving. Um, uh, you know, I've fluctuated between we need to make, you know, this amount. And then two hours later, I'd say we need to double it. And then 30 minutes later, I'd say, Oh, let's bring it back down and cut it by 25%. So it's, it's really, really hard. So what we've kind of done, at least to this point is we've set a number on how much we're going to make. And then that'll hopefully last us a week to 10 days. And then we'll be able to, kind of reassess and continue to, to get our head wrapped around it. Um, I mentioned selling it earlier. I, I do want to clarify on this that we are not, uh, we are recouping our cost is, is our goal in this whole objective. It's not, it's not a money-making opportunity. It is simply to uh, provide a, provide a service to the community that is needed. We all feel a, an ethical obligation to, to do this. So have you, have you shut down the rest of your – is everything right now hand sanitizers? Are you still making other stuff? Um, are you still do, making vodka and gin and bourbon and the things that, you know, that you're known for? Yeah, well, um, the fortunately, we um, – we are about to receive two new stills from Scotland, um, which is kind of wild. I, in fact, I, I think the guys had a phone call that said if you don't get them on the water uh, the next day or so, they might not get out of Scotland. So we, we went ahead and pushed it through. But uh, So our, we had ramped up production to build up our inventory um, on our distilled spirits, and we were starting to wind down production uh to begin to receive these stills in the, in the construction project that's going to come along with that. So um, pretty good timing, I guess I would say, because we have enough inventory to fulfill our, our demand. And, um, you know, we can now kind of shift the focus to sanitizer. So it hasn't been super disruptive yet. Um, but as this thing drags on, you know, we're, we're, we're at least right now, we're, we're not changing our business. Um, it's a temporary fix while we can help the community. But after, um, hopefully after the next few weeks, month, however long it is, we're able to to get back up and running and, and start to sell booze to, uh, to our customers again. Yeah, I mean, I, I say this, and everybody jokes about it, but there's a little bit of truth to it that I call it therapy juice sometimes. And I know people, different for some people, they can't handle alcohol i get it for those of us that can it is kind of soothing in times like these every once in a while to pour a cocktail or two at night and say hey made it through another day how, how has this impacted your your regular business um well it's been good for our retail stores and obviously it's been very 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 bad for our restaurants and bars um, and those are the people that 
you know, are in our hearts and minds the most because yeah. those are the people that have built our brand over the last decade and they're out of work right now and they're struggling. And so, um, you know, that that's a real struggle for us is, is we know these people that have helped us so much over the years are now struggling so hard. So, um, you know, the retail side of business is, is good. Um, but it's starting to slow down too. It's it's coming in waves, is what we see. Uh, people will go and stock up for a week, ten days, and then they'll come back. But alcohol is typically recession proof. The only thing that really changes is um, the quality or the price point at which a shopper shopping at. Um, and to this point, we haven't really seen people trading down like you did in the uh, in the two thousand eight financial crisis and, and other. Um, crises that happen around money where people begin to trade down but um you know i imagine as, as unemployment continues to to increase that people will tighten their belts a little bit but we just our mission has never really changed in that respect we want you know we challenge and and want people to support local and so as much as you can um, support the businesses around you support uh, whether it's in your package store whether it's at you know if it's a local meat market um, whatever it may be support the people that support your community and give back to your community because those are the people that are going to be there when this whole thing's over with if you support them if you don't support them they might not be here yeah it's, it's kind of the, the fear you know it goes on long enough that people just run out of time and and that's that's what you worry about is how different the landscape could look if this thing goes into late summer or god forbid into the fall into the late fall i just there's just a, a lot of places that there's just no way they there's no way they make it that long there's there's no reason for them to have ever thought hey we've got to have a got to have a 6 month uh emergency fund here i mean it's one thing to have a little money put back for a rainy day fund it's another thing to say hey let's prepare for a pandem- pandemic that's going to shut us down for half a year yeah, I don't know that anybody's really prepared for this. Um, I mean, you know, the the businesses that I've talked to and, and the people that we kind of deal with on a daily basis in our normal business um, are absolutely not prepared for this. I mean, I you know, I spoke to a restaurateur last week who laid off 600 hourly employees across the South, and um, the reason they decided to do that was because it was more beneficial for those folks to, um, the company gave them, you know, kind of a, a check to help out with the immediate uh, needs, and then it's more beneficial for them to go get unemployment, and when, when they open back up, they all got jobs back, but it's... Uh, it's scary for sure and you know our message kind of to everybody is uh, listen to the scientists listen to the doctors don't listen to the media um and you know do the things that you feel are necessary to protect yourself and those around you and your community more broadly and um you know as americans i feel like i'm getting on a soapbox here and i don't mean to but as americans we typically come out of crises a little bit better a little bit stronger than we had previously and there's nothing to indicate that this will be any different now um change is coming for sure but this will absolutely have an impact on our day-to-day lives no different than how 9-11 had an impact on our day-to-day lives so um rolling with the punches and, and staying strong and staying safe and being smart is kind of a that's our motto and then again going back to supporting your community last thing when you talk to some of these the acronym people that you talk to you know people that are in government do you get a feel for how long this they're planning for this crisis to last I haven't really been asking those questions um, I can infer based of off of 
kind of what they're looking for. Um, but our focus has really been on on uh, immediate needs. I mean, everybody's really kind of running around like a chicken with their head cut off and, and really trying to, to get their head wrapped around it. Um, I've been... I've had, I, I was telling um, my wife the other day that I feel like I've gotten a, an MBA in supply chain economics in the last week, um, just learning about how, how all of this stuff moves, and especially highly regulated chemicals, and then how emergency management uh, associations operate. And so I don't know that I, that's a, that's a long-winded answer to, I don't really know that I have an answer to that question other than, you know, if we don't take the steps now, it's going to last longer than it will than it would have. Well, Major, as always, uh, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate what you're doing uh, with the hand sanitizer. Really admire it, and uh, hope it continues to go well. Yeah, thank you, Neil. And just for uh, a little bit of information, anybody out there that is kind of a first responder or um, interested in, um, I mean, we're, again, we're trying to help hospitals, law enforcement, all first responders, but um, an email address that is a catch-all for everything for us is uh, hand sanitizer at cattheaddistillery.com. So feel free, free to reach out, and um, we'll try to help out however we can. Major, again, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Neil. Have a great day. You too. Thanks to Major for giving us a little time there. Great stuff. Those guys at uh, Cathead are guys at Cathead are doing today. Again, appreciate Heather for uh, joining us as well, and all you guys for listening and uh, hanging with us as we try to uh, bring you some entertainment, some uh, some normalcy during these times. We'll be back tomorrow. A lot of stuff at RebelGrove.com, and we will talk to you then.